0: Good morning, everyone. Um, but to read, um, the Bible reading for today is taken from Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. And when I finish reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and you are expected to respond by saying thanks be to God. Is that clear? Thank you very much. Um, Matthew, 5, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Be
1: to God. Thank you, Olumide, for the instruction. Um, we duly obeyed. All right. Once again, good morning. I don't know if you've come in after um, maybe this song that was being sung, welcome to City Church. Now, we've been looking at a series, uh, we started a series, we've already gone uh, too into it, and the name of the series basically is The Citizens of the Kingdom. Now, the reason why is we are looking at Matthew 5-7, but before that, if you read in Matthew 4 verse 23-25, it says that Jesus Christ after he had been baptized um, in the Jordan in the river by John the Baptist, and the Spirit descended on him, and after he had Um, gone to temptation with the devil. He started his ministry. And his ministry really had one content. He was proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. Now, he proclaimed it, but he also demonstrated it. And those two things draw crowds, and there are many people around him. And if you read in the beginning of chapter five, there are many people around him, because those things draw crowds. But in order for people not to misunderstand what the kingdom was about, he then decided to give a teaching on it. And that teaching has come down to us as the famous Sermon on the Mount from chapters 5 to 7. And we're saying that if you think about your citizenship, you know, the, one of the signs of, uh, that, that you belong to a particular country is you have an international passport. We're saying, well, with this series, we're going to look at four p- 14 pages of this passport, of belonging to the, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. So on our first page, the first page of the passport, we found out that we are contrite citizens. On the second page of the passport, we find that we are persecuted citizens. And today we are going to find out on the third page that we are missional citizens. Let me start with this. How many of us know the word amebo? I'm a bo. If you are not raising up here, and that means you are one. You know what I'm a bo. I'm a bo. You know I'm a bo. I'm a bo, I'm a bo. You know. Yeah. Well, where did i a bo come from? Now, I'm a bo is, almost, is a is a Lagosian kind of phenomena, and I'll explain why. The real word it comes from any horrible person in the house. Any horrible person in the house? None. Wow. We're not that diverse. So. All right. It co- I was going to do something very silly, but I don't want to. The wrath of my wife. But. Hold it. Hold it back for me. Hold it. Just hold it, right? <laughs> All right. So, Awebo actually comes from the Yoruba word, Awebo, Awebo, or Awebo, however you want to pronounce it. And she was, Awebo was really the favorite wife in a polygamous home. She was the favorite wife in a polygamous home. So she was much more, she was responsible for running the house. And because of this, she was esteemed in the community. She obviously had her, hus- her husband here, and so anytime the husband went away and came back, she was the first to report whatever transpired in the compound while the husband was away. Obviously, she was reporting about the other wife's children and how they were behaving. You know. But also, if something had happened in the compound, she was the one that went to the community you know, and told them this and this was, was happening. So she was highly esteemed. But because of that, she was also a people pleaser. So sometimes, really, the credibility of the kind of story that was given, she was just giving for talebearing sake. She was gossiping, some of these things, to keep herself in the good books of the people in the community. In other words, the reason she shared most of what she shared was really for for a a um, self-serving purpose, rather than giving news to people for their own benefit. Let me put it this way. Amembo is not transformed by the event that he or she is reporting. If not, they will not just be spreading it in a willy-nilly casual or irreverent kind of way. Now this reminds me of uh, something that Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verses 3, and let me read verse 8. 3 and 8, Acts chapter 1, 3 and 8. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, notice Jesus is saying his own disciples are now going to be sent as witnesses through the whole world. They're going to be sent as witnesses. But they were not meant to go as witnesses until the Holy Spirit came on them and they received power. In other words, whatever they were going to go and talk about was something that had actually radically happened to them and had transformed them. In other words, when they go out witnessing, they are not meant to do it like an amiable who is not transformed by what they have heard but are doing it for self-serving purposes. Rather, the people or the witnesses of Jesus are meant to go out, haven't been transformed for the benefit of others. In many ways, the verse... It says that uh, Olumide read for us 13 to 16 are not disconnected from the last two, the, the last, uh, the Beatitudes that we saw the, um, the last two weeks. Because if you think about it, the Beatitudes and this are both about witnesses. But the Beatitudes are, what does it look like to be a witness when the world's opposing forces are on you? Being a witness when the world is... Uh, is having its effect on you. On this, this one is now, what does it mean when, to be a witness when you are now going into the world? What does it mean when the world is upon us? To be a witness, beatitudes. But now here, we're going to look at what it means to be a witness when you are now being sent into the world. How do we engage the world as Christians? As, for here in Lagos, that's always a big question. Where is the interplay between Christians and the culture of Christians and the world? Now, the word, the word sent in Greek is um, uh, apostolos, but when you translate that into Latin, you get the word missio, from where we get the English word mission. And so we want Jesus to teach us today more about how the citizens of the kingdom are to engage the world as his missional citizens and we'll treat that under these three headings. Missional citizens, their effects, their counterfeits, and their purpose. Their effects, their counterfeits, and their purpose. So let's take the first one, their effects. Now, notice what it says in verse 13, just beginning of 13 and beginning of 14. It says something about the missional citizens. There are two things. One, the salt of the earth, And the second is that they are the light of the world. Salt of the earth and light of the world. Notice what it didn't say. It didn't say they are salt in the earth or salt from the earth or light in the world or light from the world. It says they are light of, not from. In other words, the world or the earth lacks but needs what they are. They are the light of the world. It lacks it because it's not from the world, but of the world. That means it needs what they are. So what is this salt and light? What are these metaphors pointing to? Well, Let me take you through. Maybe I can think of um, two actors, right? So two actors that have been very influential, at least in my own growing up. And they're still acting today. So one of them is this great guy called Tom Hanks, right? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, as we know, you know, movies like Castaway, Forrest Gump, let um, me think I, th- I saw one just earlier this year, uh, Bridge of Spies. Now, when you think about Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks movies, and most of them are done with Steven Spielberg, you think about a fantastic narrative, isn't it? And you think of killer acting. Right? He's, I mean, he really enters into the part. He, the dialogue in the movie is always fantastic. You never really think of Tom Hanks as killing people. You think of him as, you know, as, maybe as a lawyer or maybe like a spy like in the one I watch, you know. He, he's or like a detective or something. A lot of dialogue. Which reminds me of another actor growing up. And his name, we used to call him the Muscles from Brussels because he was from Belgium. His name... Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean, look at that physical specimen. It reminds me of myself back in the day. You know? But let's leave that aside. Again, you know, I don't want to go down this whole theme of my perfection and all of that. But you remember some Van Damme movies? One big one that comes to mind. I think that's where this is taken from. Kickboxer. Right? Right? Um, Van Damme. It was all again. He was from Brussels, so it was the muscles from Brussels. He was. It was all brute force action, killing two hundred and fifty people. You know, just with a, with a, ch- a karate chop like that. Do you remember his acting? No, no, he shouldn't. It was absolutely dreadful. Dialogue. I mean, you know, he was still struggling his English to even command it. It was just bad. His dialogue was. His action was top notch. His dialogue was terrible. And Jesus is saying that as salt and light, we should be more Van Damme than Tom Hanks. He says salt and light, and later in verse 16, he says that, that men may see your good deeds. It's all about deeds. In engaging the world, it's all about deeds in this verse that Jesus is saying, at least first and foremost. Let's talk about salt. In ancient times, salt was what our deep freezers and refrigerators do for us today. It was acting as a preservative for food that would otherwise decay. You have food, you want to keep it the next day or three days after, you put it in salt. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that this world would naturally decay. It's already naturally decaying. But Christians are to perform good deeds that stems that decay. If you are a Christian and you are living in accordance with the Beatitudes, you are meant to bring integration where you see disintegration. You are meant to bring reconciliation where you see strife. In other words, if you see people's lives falling apart, as Christians, you are not meant to retreat. Have you ever, been, have you ever seen... When people are fighting, are you that person that still says, you know what, let's, it's time to go. It's time to go. I, I don't want to, you know, because once people start throwing blows, you may get into the crossfire. I remember when we were in secondary school. If two people, you know, let's say Emmanuel and Lai, something happens. Emmanuel says, Hey, my that Femi guy is stupid. Hey! Then Bola will now come, and say, Hey, Femi Kai. You will not believe what Emmanuel said. Emmanuel said that your father is insane. But he said, if it's me, I will never be able to take it. <laughs> Mio, Jack, Bad, hey! So, Emmanuel said, "Femi, do you, do, you, do you say, my father, well, your mother is, eh! And then Shegun comes in. And as me and Bola and Emmanuel are about to uh, get into it, obviously we know that won't be a contest, <laughs> um, but as we're about to get into it, Shagun now comes in, and he won't say, no, guys, this is not the way it should be, is it? And then Bola just slaps Shagun. pow, <laughs> who called you into this thing? All right, well, look at, I, I, I've set up, I've set up something like the old thing, about and you are, as Christians, we should neither retreat and say, it's not my business, nor should we be the ones who say, okay, well, I wasn't the one that started it, but man, this is going to be really good, and we start to spectate. <laughs> the world is already decaying. And as Christians, we are meant to step in and say that we want to stem that decay. You have friends. And sometimes the marriage is falling apart because of certain misunderstandings and miscommunications. You'll be like, mm, you know, Femi and Tosin, that's the way they are. I beg, I, beg. I don't want to. This one, now because you call, and then you have to spend from 9 to 11. And maybe that 9 to 11, you now realize you have to drive to the house, and then it's 1 a.m., and then I still have to go to work the next day. Whoa, I beg, God will be able to, I'll pray for them. <laughs> Why? Because we know this, that when you have to act as salt, it costs you. But Christians are the ones who say, I will step in precisely because it costs me, but because I am salt. Ask yourself this question. If you were to leave your place of work today and they did not replace you with anyone similar to you, would that place start to disintegrate, even if it is small by small? Are you an agent of Peace, are you an agent of reconciliation where things naturally will be disintegrating? If we think about it communally, though we're a new church, but we're growing, I believe and I hope that when we are plugged into a community very well and much more established, that we will be so effective in the community that they say this, if city church should leave this community, the government will say we probably will have to raise taxes. Because we are salt, with the good deeds that we display, we are preserving an already decaying world. This is why it says, for Christians, people who are mourning, what should we do? He gives thanks to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our suffering so that we are able to comfort those who are suffering with the same comfort that we have received from God. We go in to stop the decay. Another metaphor he uses is that we are the light of the world. The light of the world. Now, notice again, it's not the light from the world. Why? Because it means that the world is a dark place. It's an observably dark place, and you know it. What moves the 24-hour news cycle? Do you know that the only time when there's an avalanche of good news? is when people have gone on holiday, Christmas time. When the best newscasters are not there, they just put, eh, somebody in this part of the world did this fantastic thing that helped the community. No, what drives the news cycle is bad news. All around. Another shooting, another suicide, bombing. Another person that has been uh, uh, caught for corruption stole this amount of money. Another divorce in Nollywood. Bad news. Dark. And this darkness has both to do with the things that are happening, but also the truth. So when it says that Christians are light of the world, it's saying that Christians are to bring light through their deeds because of the light of truth they possess, which is outside from the world. We are meant to bring light through our deeds because of the light of truth we possess. In other words, we are meant to do good deeds in light of the truth that we have. It will be like this. Imagine if you are in a very dark place. They've taken, you know how I would say, they've taken light. It's in the the nighttime. Nepal, I know they they are called PHCN, but who, I mean, PHCN. Nepal has taken light. It's very dark. And um, shell. And Sharma are in the darkness. So Shaeon has a candle, and she—sorry, wa- okay, not candle. Shaeon brings out her smartphone. All right, you know things have changed. You know, I, I don't think my son has ever seen a candle. You know those white—you know those white candles. The only candle I think he's ever seen is he did his birthday recently. He said, "Mommy, should help him buy a candle." So we bring out our smartphone. So Shaeon brings out her smartphone. Uh, Shama doesn't have a smartphone. Don't worry, it's not a prophecy. Huh? Um, so Shama, She brings out her smartphone and she lights it. Who benefits from it? Both of them. Who owns the light? The fact that Shama is benefiting from the light does not mean that he has the light. In other words, there is a way that we do good deeds that even when people do not possess the light, they are still benefits uh, beneficiaries of that light. Let your light shine so that others will see good deeds. They benefit from it. It says that you put the light on an elevated place so that all who are in the room, they were not the owners of the light. So as Christians, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel that we have, is meant to produce good deeds that other people can benefit from, even if they are not Christians, even if they are not citizens of the kingdom. Let me give you six examples from six metaphors of the gospel. You see, when you think about the gospel, there are different metaphors in the Bible about those, uh, how you can see the gospel. So there are more than six, but I want to give just six examples of things we do in light of the truth that we have that can bring benefit to the world. Number one is we are adopted, isn't it? Because of what Jesus did, the Bible says that we are now adopted as sons of God. Co-heirs with Christ. So because of that, Christians who are adopted work for adoption of orphan, orphan kids. Kids who are abandoned. We can work for the adoption. We can adopt or we can help the adoption agencies to find parents. Number one. Two, Because in Christ, it says that um, um, it is for freedom that Christ has made, set us what? Free. In other words, when you were not a Christian, you were bound by the yoke of sin, the power of sin, and Satan and all of those things. But in Christ now, he has defeated the powers. He has taken us out of slavery. And so for that, we work for the liberation of sexual slaves, of child slaves, all of those things, number two. Number three, we can work for the justice for the innocent, whether they are imprisoned unfairly or for the oppressed in our society. Why? Because we have been justified by faith. Because you have been justified by faith, you now have peace with God. Number four. It says that in Christ, the middle wall of partition has been broken between Jews and Gentiles, and now in Christ, there is is therefore no Jew nor Gentile, and there is therefore no Yoruba, and there is no Hausa, and there is no Igbo, all of those things. It's not saying that you are not Yoruba. It's saying that in terms of uh, uh, the relative importance, in light of Christ, um, your ethnic uh, backgrounds do not play as important as a role in distinguishing you from others. So because Christ has broken down that wall and has created a new man in him through the gospel, we as well can work for ethnic reconciliation and the tensions that work in our society. You See that? Light of the world. Number five. He says that because of the stripes of Christ, we have been what? Healed. And so we can, with miraculous powers or without miraculous powers, if you don't have miraculous powers, you can go into the hospitals, you can pay for people's bills who are not getting treated because they can't make it up. I know some, justice communi- uh, some of our gospel communities did that for their own justice initiative in December. And number six, wait for this, you can give seed funding to credible, low, uh, credible entrepreneurs who have low, uh, uh, they don't have a huge social network of people to be able to fund their businesses. They're credible. You can give them seed funding. Why? Because in the gospel, God sowed the corn of wheat of his son. Because if he did not die, then he would not be able to have more, or more, more uh, others that come after him. So in other words, because of the truth, the light of truth that we have in the gospel, we can perform good deeds in the world around us. That's the first point, the effects. Second, they are counterfeits. Now, if that is how to be salt and light, there's also a way how to not engage our culture as missional citizens. And if you notice in this text, Jesus kind of tells us, don't do this, don't do that. Now, he identifies for us or I can identify two kinds of wrong ways or two kinds of Christians. One we can call co- the corrupt Christian, the other one we can call the irrelevant Christian. Corrupt Christian and the irrelevant Christian. Here's the problem both of them have. They both lose their identity for self-serving purposes. The corrupt Christian and the irrelevant Christian. Let's take the corrupt Christian first. Verse 13. If the salt loses it, Saltiness. If it loses its saltiness, it is now purposeless. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. What does this mean? Now, I know some of the more scientific of us will be saying, no, no, salt, if salt loses its saltiness, it's because it's been used. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that salt can be so corrupted. The way that salt will lose saltiness is that it can be so corrupted, e.g. with sand, very, very fine sand, that it can't be used again. In other words, a Christian or the world does not need you to be, or let me put it this way, for you to be truly useful to the world, the world needs you to be truly Christian. For you to bring preservation to the world, it is not for you to be less Christian, but for you to be really Christian. Think of the elevated city. The elevated city is like a counterculture for the common good. You are a counterculture to the world for the good of both Christians and, those, and non-Christians in the world. Why am I saying this? Because you can engage the world for Christ, and the result that comes is that the Christian becomes more worldly than the world, becoming more Christian. You can have the effect of the world more upon you than you having your effect on the world. You see, sometimes I get some people with tremendous zeal get so carried away by demonstrating good deeds, and they start to think that the kingdom's agenda is only and primarily about good deeds, and that isn't it. All of a sudden... The demonstration of the kingdom overrides proclamation of the kingdom. And notice in chapter 4 that Jesus both proclaimed the kingdom and then demonstrated the power of the kingdom. Sometimes some people would almost make the church to be another social NGO, and the church is not. The church can do certain things that social NGOs do, but that is not his primary calling. And so sometimes you find Christians, they're in this space of doing all of these fantastic things, bringing light to the world. But when conversations come, they're almost embarrassed about certain Christian claims. Did Jesus rise from the dead? I remember someone who said that he was working um, as a, uh, um, no, they sent some of their people from their church. They went to, they did some partnerships with some um, uh, NGOs, non, the secular NGOs in some parts of Africa. So this is from the West. And that they were so tremendously amazed at how these people served, these people that were not Christians, how they were serving to bring, um, you know, fantastic good, the same thing these Christians were doing. He said, but the problem was at night. They got super drunk and they were always sleeping with each other. And sometimes Christians in that kind of space can be so embarrassed to talk about the Christian ethic on sexuality. So we kind of just... Allow our deeds to speak for ourselves, but we don't want to touch those things. But you see, the deeds are not what makes you a citizen. They are the proof that you're a citizen. i say that again. The deeds are proof that you're a citizen. It's not what makes you a citizen. You are to be able to tell people, this is the reason why I do this. If they ask you what is the reason for the hope in you, you should be able to tell them. So, these people who have lost the, the, the loss of saltiness is a loss of identity, and it's usually for the self serving purpose of cultural approval. They want people to be able to invite them to their things, they want people to not see them as prudes, they want to be able to have those conversations. Now, don't get me wrong, I'll get to the second one. I'm not saying you shouldn't have those, I'm saying. That for you to be uniquely a light to the world and salt to it, you need to be truly Christian. Amen? And then there's the second one. The second one is the irrelevant Christian. Verse 14 uh, verse 14 says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl." You see, in the ancient times, when they didn't have electricity, and sometimes it's very hard. You know, if you're flying sometimes at night, it's you, maybe you're getting past the ocean you know everything is just dark. Like you're flying at night, everything is dark. Then all of a sudden you're flying past a country, what do you see? Even from 30,000 feet above the air, what do you see? Light. Now in the ancient times, when there was no electricity, you could be on a road journey like that in a field, and there is pitch darkness. Why? Because there's absolutely no kind of light anywhere. Now cities were traditionally built Not on the plateaus because it's very, very difficult to build cities on a plateau. So even if you had a plateau, you build it on a base, like Cape Town, for instance. But some cities were built on a hill. And for miles, because of the light in those cities would reflect to the clouds, the light would then come miles and hundreds of miles away, so that when you are approaching, you can start to see the light. In other words, an elevated city cannot be hidden. And if you take a lamp and put it under a bowl, you have just contradicted its purpose just as a hidden city. It's a contradiction. And so there are some Christians, because they want to preserve their identity, all they want to talk about is truth, 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 truth. In trying to not, not to lose their identities, they always want to nitpick every single doctrine. But why is, the, why is she doing that? Are you sure it's not that? I I don't think so, because I think the Bible actually said that. The Hebrew of that doesn't really mean that. You are talking about Hebrew and Greek, and people are saving people's lives. Say, but we must maintain our Christian witness. Yes, we must maintain our Christian witness. That doesn't stop us from doing anything. You see, if corrupt Christians are characterized by action lacking truth, irrelevant Christians are characterized by truth lacking action. These people... And they actually enjoy unnecessarily nitpicking every theological area of opponents. They spend all their time criticizing those doing something, and cultural they they withdraw from the culture for the sake of preserving their identity. Here's Here's the ironic thing. In trying to preserve their identity, they end up losing their identity. In trying to preserve their identity to withdraw from the culture, they end up losing their identity. Why? Because Christians are meant to be light of the world. You are not meant to carry your light and put it under a bowl. For them, if we withdraw, if the culture rejects us, if they say bad things about us, guess what? (laughs) If they persecute uh, him, they will persecute us also. But they are not being persecuted because they are actually living as Christians. They are being persecuted or they are being withdrawn because people find them to be weird and obnoxious. So like, yeah, good riddance to bad rubbish, please stay away. Because you want to spoil every party with the fact that uh, that DJ, do you know that that song, if you listen to it backwards, um, it has uh, the devil's, uh, can you just bring up all manner of different things? In other words, these Christians care little about the world. They care so much about themselves and preserving their own kind of cultural identity and biblical fidelity. And so for them, cultural rejection is something that they crave. And so they lose their own identity. Now the lamp is veiled. The other one lost their identity because the salt is unsalted. These ones lose their identity for the self-serving purpose of cultural rejection. Guys, there's a better way. There's a better way. Now it makes me think, let me think of, uh, it makes me think of this example. Um, Moses, Moses come please. Moses come. Don't worry. I won't embarrass him. Even though I'm, I'm sure you want me to embarrass him. No. Okay. All right. So Moses, right? Moses is from is from the mid north middle belt. Okay. You're from north from here. All right. So Moses comes from um, from you know the, the middle belt, but you know you can speak Hausa, right? And there are certain um, cultural influences of. Um, of the Hausa that has come to you right so it makes me wonder you know this thing this fo- this cereal this cereal that we ground uh, that we that they make uh, from corn right they grind they blend corn and all of that i think it ferments a little bit it can be white you can use millet it will be brown you know that 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 cereal i'm talking about right very nice creamy some poopoo milk inside it and all that what's it called what's it called what do you call it no 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 no, 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 no. This one is like, eh? no, 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 but what, what do you call it? That cup, right? eh? no, no, is that what you call it? Is that cocoa? Yeah, I you. What do Aucar call it? Akamu. 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 Akamu, right? Okay. All right, you know what Akamu is. Right, you outside? sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Akamu, uh-huh. right? I have a problem with that. It's not a camel. It's called ogi. <laughs> right? It's called ogi. Who has a problem with it being called ogi? In you, what do you call it? Eh? No, it's ogi. No, no, no. I'm, I can tell you. I'm serious. It's ogi. You see, what some of you don't know is that my wife, thank you very much, Moses. My wife is like Moses. My wife actually grew up, in the middle part of Nigeria. She's Yoruba by by name, but she really is in Yoruba. And this has been a big issue for us all (laughs) the years in our marriage. Right now, we are trying to, it's a tussle, I mean, you should see, for me it's a very important thing, when my children say, daddy, I want so they're not trying to settle on pap. I mean, that is such a boring name. Why would you go with something like pap, when you have what? Ugi, not akamo. Emmanuel, be careful. I've never confirmed you. <laughs> but the truth is that Moses comes and he brings Akamo in a place like Lagos, where it is a very cosmopolitan place mixed with so many different ethnicities. If Moses and I are going to get along, there somehow has to be, for, for Moses to be a helpful friend to me, I want Moses to be an English speaking, middle belt man. What do I mean by that? For the richness of this diverse that is called Lagos to continue, he needs to be an English-speaking middle... Can I just say hausa? I'm so sorry. Right? I'm so sorry. An English-speaking hausa man. I'm trying to be PC, but it's not working. All right? We'll apologize after. He has to be an English-speaking hausa man. Why am I saying that? Imagine Moses comes to me, and Moses speaks... All he does is speaking. he's speaking hausa. Well, if he's speaking hausa... Moses will be distinguishable from me, but he will be incomprehensible, and therefore he will not be useful. You see, the whole thing about being sort of like that, we should be useful, isn't it? If he speaks, he will be distinguishable, but he will be incomprehensible, and therefore he will not be useful. But what if Moses is speaking English, and he's even trying to be, because, you know, Let's not forget, let's you, all you Ibos and ourselves forget, Lagos is a Yoruba land. Just saying. Hashtag. <laughs> all right. But Moses now wants to fit in to being a Yoruba guy, and he now comes in, and he to starts saying, hey, Femi, do you guys have some Ogi? Ogi? i like, what was that? It's Ogi. Well, that's why I said Ogi. And he, he's trying to fit in as a Yoruba guy. He speaks the language that I speak, Moses becomes comprehensible, but not distinguishable. And in many ways, for the diversity of Lagos, he then is, what, not useful. In other words, for us to enrich the society that we have, we need to both be comprehensible, yet at the same time, distinguishable. If you are an assaulted or corrupt Christian... You will be comprehensible, but you will not be distinguishable, and therefore you will not be useful. That's what verse 14 says. There is nothing it can be used for except to be thrown outside and trampled underfoot. But if at the same time, you are an irrelevant Christian, you will not be comprehensible, even though you've made your point, you are very, very distinguishable, you will still, be, you will still not be what useful. Being salt and light is that on the one hand, for us to be preserving the world and for us to be light to the world, the world needs us to be against the world. We are against the world to be for the world. The world does not need another decaying culture. The world does not need another dark culture. The world needs salt and light. That is what the world needs to see. Let your light shine before men or before others that they may see. They may see. It is the world that will judge whether this thing is useful for them or not. But they need to see. Which brings me to my final point see what? Well, the, the final point, their purpose. Now, there's an innate aspect of humanity that always wants to be thankful. In America, they do this whole Thanksgiving thing. And we should ask the question, why? And the w- w- one way to answer is that really, there's nothing that you've ever achieved of your, on your own. There's no such thing as a self-made millionaire, self-made billionaire. There's no such thing. Your fees were paid at one point, or someone opened doors for you to get your first job, or someone cheated you, um, when you were ill, or you got a contract through a referral from a friend. Yes, you worked hard, but you never actually achieved anything on your own. And so, being grateful or thankful is, or being ungrateful or non thankful is actually to go against the reality of human life. The question we should ask is this sh- What should we be thanking? A what or a who? Now, if you're not a Christian here, you may think that, okay, if I'm blessed with this talent that I didn't work for, Maybe I should thank the universe. Now, some people do. The universe is a code word for I'm not sure who I should thank, but I know it's not personal. Some people just say, you know what, I'm just thankful to be alive. So you're not really thanking anyone, but you are just being thankful. But you see, thankfulness assumes personality. There's personality involved. Take this thing where we say that you have to be thankful for somebody giving you something. For me to, for you to thank me for for a gift is because I, a person, first gave you that gift. That established a relationship, and now for you to reciprocate, you are now thankful. In other words, there was already a personal relationship between giver and recipient that was established when we, I gave you something. And now you're just reciprocating that that personal relationship now from you back to me in being thankful. So in other words, you can't really be thankful for to what? You really have to be thankful to who? Now here's the funny thing about missional citizens. Even though we are the light of the world and the salt of the earth, And we do these good deeds, we are jealous for people to see the who that is not us. The who is our Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, notice what it says. It did not say, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Now, if it said that, it would be correct. It's just that it's not more specific. Let your light shine that men may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. I won't have time to break out all those things, but those three things are important. This God is not on earth, so if he was on earth, just anything on earth, he would be an idol. But he's also a father, so there is a kind of personal relationship that he now has. It's not just God and creator and creator that exists, but now there's a personal relationship, familiar relationship that is had, and then it is your father that is, in other words, there are some people that cannot say your. There's a distinction between those who are, he is their father and those who he is not their father. And in, if we take the analogy that Jesus has been using here, those who say he is our father are those who are citizens of his kingdom. Remember, he's our, your father in heaven. And we, the two um, illustrations, uh, the two Beatitudes that we really looked at, what was the promise that was given to them? For yours is the kingdom of what? Heaven, if he's your father in heaven, it's because you belong to the kingdom of heaven. And if you now take it further to this analogy once again, remember, it says, let your light shine that others may see your good deeds. Or that when this person lights the light, remember we said the benefit comes to even those who don't have the light. There are some who see the light, but they don't have the light. The people who have the light are citizens of the kingdom. They are sons of the father. So when he, wants, when he says, they glorify your father in heaven, how is it possible for them to glorify our father like he is their father? How is it possible for those who are not members of the kingdom to glorify the king of the kingdom? How is it possible for those who do not have light to now have their own light? Those in darkness seen a great light. They have to see a great light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The only way they could see, the people in darkness could see that light that Jesus is, is that the same thing that he says we should not be, for a moment in time, Jesus' light had to be kept under a bow. For the people who are in darkness under the bow For Jesus to give them light, they had to be taken outside of that bowl, and Jesus went under that bowl. On the cross, Jesus' light was snuffed out. He experienced the darkness and the consequences of darkness that the people in darkness were experiencing, so that in his resurrection, where this light was in full display, he could also give them that light, and they too, now worshiping the Father, can also let their own light shine. See, there is an understanding that many people have that we are going to spread the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God by doing good deeds. Friends, listen to me. You don't spread the kingdom. You don't increase the kingdom by doing more good deeds. That's not the way. The only way you increase the kingdom is by getting more people into the kingdom. And that way, if you have more people in the kingdom, there will be more light to shine. If you want to see more cultural renewal, and more cultural renewal is, as I said, more justice activity going on, more people helping people in hospitals, more people helping people in their businesses, people reaching out to the disenfranchised, the kingdom way of doing it is not just saying, let's get more of these programs doing, uh, going on. The kingdom way is more sustainable. It's saying, let us get more men to glorify the Father through Jesus Christ. When they have that light, they will shine it more. That's why here at City Church, we say that we are about the gospel-centered movement that renews the city of Lagos, but it will not happen culturally unless it first happens spiritually, and then socially, and then culturally. You see, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus is the only way people enter into the kingdom. Except a man is born again, he cannot see or enter into the kingdom of heaven. But if he enters into the kingdom of heaven, he gets a light that he shines through good deeds. As we accept Jesus as the light of the world, he gives us his light so that we as well can become the light of the world. Let us pray. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to you. We commit our hearts to you. And we commit our mission to you. Help us to be light. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.